Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey everybody, happy Thanksgiving and welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. Like this video and please subscribe if you haven't already. $10 at VolQuest.com until kickoff 2023, $10 until kickoff, so go ahead if you haven't already and take advantage of that deal. We've got... A ton of questions. We asked to get them early this week, and so you guys came through. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Vol in SC, if we beat Vandy, prediction on what bowl we go to. Also, is with that being the most shocking, is that the most shocking loss you've ever seen in all your years of covering Tennessee, and will it affect recruiting? Um, Austin, you want to kick us off here? Yeah, just everything that was on the line. Um, I mean, LSU in, in 01, people talk about that, but you know, they were at least in the championship game. I mean, South Carolina, you know, had not scored an offensive point the week before against a Florida team that literally lost to Vandy earlier in the afternoon before Tennessee played South Carolina. So, um, yeah, it, it's a rough it, – as far as bowl games, I think a lot is to be determined. Um, the Orange Bowl, obviously, um, you know, we'll, have, we'll pick that large team. I think that that Leafs gives – Tennessee's fans and the thought of Tennessee bringing a big contingent down to South Beach, uh, a, a nice uh, shot in the arm. Um, but I think what you're going to see is a lot of people predicting the Cotton Bowl over the next week. Doesn't mean they'll end up there, but I think that's a lot where the, a lot of the prediction will lie. And if it's the Cotton Bowl, you're looking at Tulane, UCF, Cincinnati, one of those three, depending on how the next two weeks play out. I just want to add, as far as most shocking loss, it's not not just Tennessee. It's the most shocking loss in a sporting event. I've, I've ever I, I can remember seeing. You know, I, I think yeah, it, it is for me. I mean, I didn't. I mean, look look at all the predictions, right? I mean, even even me who never predicts a blowout win predicted a blowout win. Maybe I'm the reason why it didn't go the it's right your way. Fault. It is my fault. You the and only thing, the the only thing I would put a caveat on the 0-1 game is Tennessee got beat by a walk on quarterback and Matt Mock, who's now a dentist by the way, and a backup running back. That's the, I mean. Spencer Rattler is a lot better, a lot more talented than Matt Mock. That, that's the only caveat to that game. Austin, you're exactly right. They had played earlier in the year. That was a close game. LSU had earned their way to the Western Division Championship. So they had a lot of good players. But when you're sitting in a Georgia Dome that night and you see Jamarcus Russell leave the field, I guess, no, Rohan Davey leave yeah, the Rohan field, and, and you see them lose their, their top tailback, you think, okay, this one's in the bag. This game you thought was in the bag before Tennessee ever got dressed in the locker room and came out on the field. So, um, you know, that that would be the, the only caveat I would say to that. You know, Go ahead. We were at a tailgate beforehand, and some ball fans like, what do you think? He goes, how many do you think Tennessee wins by? And I said, by as many as they want. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's a, correct. That's a Carolina, but I mean, no, the same thing. South Carolina's people picked fifty-two to ten. I mean, it's sure. not like anybody was picking the Gamecocks. Nobody no, was picking the Gamecocks. Not at all. Uh, recruiting, right? Quick. That was the third part of that question. Sorry, Eric. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I don't think I don't think Austin, you hit on the impact of the loss in recruiting or what that impact might or might not be. I don't think it is. Nobody's picking a school based off of one game, good or bad. Like nobody was picking Tennessee because they had the unbelievable atmosphere game winning against Alabama. Now what you can do is with an atmosphere, you can establish yourself with a kid. That doesn't mean the kid's going to pick you though, based off the outcome of the game or lose. That probably happens less than 5% of the time. I bet less than that. I I agree with that. I I I, I don't think fans get that aspect of it. Yeah, so, like, I just don't think that it has any impact on Tennessee whatsoever. Let's go to Aft Run. He's got uh, about five questions, so let's run through them really quick. Uh, Brent Hubbs, do you see James Pierce more in this game due to his explosions off the line to help prevent the quarterback rollout? No, I, I don't think James is suddenly going to get a bunch of snaps. I think he played one defensive snap against South Carolina. You're, you're in week, you're in week uh, 12. He has not played anything other than special teams. I don't think this is a week where he gets unleashed, so to speak. I think he's got a very bright future at Tennessee. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. He needs to add a little weight. He needs to continue to get stronger. I don't think this is a week where you see him play a bunch of snaps. So I'm recruiting here. Do you think uh, Tennessee can hold on to Sylvester Smith and Ricky Gibson, or are these guys gone with a good Auburn hire, Austin? Yeah, I think it gets interesting. Auburn's going to come out there and throw a lot of NIL money around. And I think that those will get very, very interesting. And before everybody goes, well, you just got to pay them. I mean, like, it's all still like a, a business. You still have to have a budget. You still have to have, you can't just, if you don't think a kid's marketable, you know, you know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, yeah, th- those are guys that I would at least pay attention to. Um, and that would go for anybody in Alabama that, that's an Alabama player going outside of the state of Alabama. Because I mean, I quit- Auburn comes in, is going to hire and going to go, hey, come stay home, stay home. Look at the mamas and daddies and say, stay home. Sure, sure. One quick caveat, one quick question to you, Austin, before we get back to Atheron's question. If Lane Kiffin goes to Ole Miss, does he call Jaden Rashada? Auburn? With, with, with it, yeah. I mean, sorry, if Lane Kiffin goes to Auburn, does he call Jaden Rashada with NIL money now? I think it's possible. I mean, those two were. We're, we're very close to a deal at Ole Miss, and, and, and the Rashadas wanted Nico money. We want Nico money. And they did get that Nico money, just not at Ole Miss. Well, so, I, I, I was just going to say on the NIL stuff, some of those in-state kids, because of where Auburn is and trying to you know burnish their image, they're going to be worth a lot more NIL on a NIL sliding scale than they are at Tennessee, to Tennessee. I, would, I mean, Auburn would – in my opinion, because of their track record, because of where the program is, because of the dumpster fire it's been for the last year, would overpay to make a splash for some, yeah. you know, where some other programs would be like, no way. And, and don't forget, NIL was ruining college football while Lane Kiffin's in Oxford, <laughs> but if he goes to Auburn, Alabama, it's going to be a different story. So let's not forget that. Uh, last regular game of the season, which underclassman sees the field and makes some plays that we haven't seen or heard from yet? Rob, I think there's opportunity at wide receiver this week and maybe some other places. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say we, – we, we've seen Squirrel White. That's the guy that I think you're going to see. Yeah, there's nobody that's going to play that you've not seen. There's nobody that's going to play in week – yeah, nobody's going to show up in week 12 that hadn't done anything yet. But, I mean, Squirrel's a guy who's had a limited role who I think you're going to see be a, a big factor. 
on Saturday. The, I mean, the, it, only, it, the only caveat I would put to that is because Tennessee's so thin, if Tennessee chooses to go in a different direction with the fourth receiver, it could be Chad instead of Walker Merrill. We'll see. But I, yeah, I was going to say, I, mean, you're, in, you're I still so lean there. Walker Merrill. Yeah, you're so thin there. So I mean, there's there's a great oper- there's a great possibility that you could see it at wide receiver. Uh, yeah, but if but if Ramel and Squirrel and Brew McCoy are playing, given the track record of Tennessee, that may be the only three receivers you you see on the field on Saturday. And, just and depends on who's available. Depends, yeah, yeah Jalen Hyde as well too. Just depends on how many of those guys are healthy here. Does Tennessee go after safeties in the portal to try and help upgrade the the athleticism, or do you stick with the high school guys and, and assume that Walker Slaughter and turn time are the guys back there next season. I don't think you can guarantee that 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 Wesley Walker's here. Like Wesley Walker's not played a whole lot. He came here to play safety. They've had him playing predominantly at nickel. They've not moved on from their current safeties, even though that they've not had great play. And he can grad transfer out. So I think there's a possibility that he would grad transfer somewhere and not and not be here at Tennessee next year. We'll see. Uh, it's at least something I'm watching, and you know. Uh, elsewhere, I mean, I think Tennessee needs to go with safety in, in the portal. Probably also need to try to find a corner in the portal because it's unrealistic to think that, you know, Conyer and, you know, Jordan Matthews and, and maybe Ricky Gibson all come in here and they're all of a sudden, you know, setting the world on fire. It, it, it's unrealistic to also think that, you know, at running that you're going to get, you know, a ton of production out of Khalifa Keith right away. And same thing with Cam, oh, let's say you're going to play Cam Selden at tailback too. You know, it's just unrealistic to think those guys will come in and just be unbelievable. Now, again, maybe they are. The Junkets kid at Ole Miss obviously was a miss by Alabama, obviously was a, a, you know, a miss for a lot of schools as far as playing early. You know, all it takes is an opportunity who can step through the door. Well, uh, Tennessee's right. going to take safety. Tennessee's going to take Brent. help in the portal. Tennessee's going to take help in the portal wherever they can. Here's the one thing I wanted to know about stuff so I'm curious about in the secondary, Eric. Does Christian Charles or does Christian Harrison, excuse me, does he stay uh, at at corner or do they move him to safety in the offseason? Same thing for Christian Charles, who has zero confidence playing corner. Does he go back to safety in the offseason to change your numbers there? I think that's a question Tim Banks and Willie Martinez have to decide here now that now that the regular season is coming to a close. Yeah, and you remember Danico Slaughter is more of an in the box player to begin with. So sure. I mean could he maybe move back as well? Um, agree. Last one here from Athron. Uh, any Elijah Davis update after laying an egg in front of him? No, I mean, I've not talked to him. And I've reached out to him, not heard back. But, I mean, I don't think that that is going to uh, – you know, I don't think Tennessee's performance will have an effect on Tennessee. Now, could South Carolina's performance, him being a South Carolina kid, even though he's at the Mississippi Juco, act on him? Sure. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure it's – you know, I guess they work hand in hand, but I think it's more South Carolina doing something to impress with the atmosphere and how they played than Tennessee playing poorly and him going, oh, I'm not going there. Look, they played so poorly. I mean, no, again, nobody's looking at it that way. Chisholm wants to know if we've been impressed with the culture that Hypel's created thus far. Do you believe we'll have any issues maintaining that into next season, considering the deflating loss and departure of leaders from this past year's team? Uh, Rob, if you want to start off on this one. I'm sorry, EC, you might have repeat that. Yeah, have you been impressed with the culture from Hypel? what he started here? Do you think you'll have any issues holding that over with the loss on Saturday 
and so many guys that are leaders leaving from this year's team to next I mean, year's If team. you have problems keeping your culture after a loss, you didn't have any culture to begin with. I mean, that's that, – I don't have any concerns. I mean, I, I, I'm more – the thing I'm most impressed with about Josh Heupel's culture is the fact that I think he took over a program that didn't have great culture. I'm not saying they had bad kids. I don't think they had great direction from, from up top. And um, I think the fact – I mean, I, I think the culture has been really positive for the most part. I mean, for real, I mean, like big time the most part. And the fact that he did that with most with so many guys who he inherited has been the most impressive. But yeah, I, I mean, if you worry about one game affecting your culture, you you got bigger problems. I, I just, I, I mean, here we are, you know, middle of the week, you know, uh, you know, past it, and still getting these questions about. I mean, like it's one game, guys. I get it sucks, you know. I mean, but I mean, the place is not going to fall apart off one game. Now again. You lose Saturday, that's where the trend, and that's where it could have an effect on recruiting is when you hit like a lull. One game doesn't affect anything. Tennessee just needs to get back up and win. Everything settles out. You get to a New Year's Six, and everything seems something, right? But, like, I mean, the whole note, I mean, like, good grief. Well, I mean, they've been, and they've been in most cases, they've been recruiting these kids for 12, 18, 24 months. If what happens in four quarters, you know, suddenly flips everything upside down, then you weren't doing a very good job for – you know, the previous 18 months. Or you That's, didn't want the kid anyway because they, yeah. were, they were, you know. I, I think I think moving forward, some leaders have to emerge because I think I you're losing – I think you're losing some real leadership when you talk about Hendon Hooker and, and you talk about some of the seniors that you had. I, I think Matthew Butler was a great leader a year ago for that defense, particularly the defensive line. That defensive line's played well this year because Amari Thomas has led and guys have developed. You know, they'll have to develop. There's a natural progression in that that has to take place. Um, and, and I get the angst, man. I mean, look, t- Tennessee was on the doorstep of going to the college football playoff. They were a three-touchdown favorite to do that. Fans aren't going to get over that one in 40, 48 hours or 72 hours. They, they, oh, I agree. They're going to be talking about this one in May. We're going to get mailback questions about that game in May. They'll be talking about this one 20 years from now. Sure, yeah. I mean, and, I it, agree with you. I'm just saying, but, like, the whole, like, you know, Culture, it's not culture after one game. Yeah, it's it's not the death blow to the. It's horrible for fans, and I totally get that. But it's not the death blow to the program that so many people hey, want to see. You receive. don't think that these players are upset? They know what they lost Saturday. Like they're very cognizant of what they lost Saturday, and so I mean, like it, it is what it is. You got to move on from it. It's easier for them to move on, I think, as players than it is for fans because fans, after fifteen years of bad. We're getting to crow all year long, and then you lose again. If you say, "Okay, Tennessee, Tennessee lost to Alabama, and they beat South Carolina, and they're nine and two and into Vanderbilt," everybody is like, "Wow, we beat we beat LSU on the road, we beat Florida, big step in year two. It's the the chain and series of how they won and lost and that on, these fans will never get over. And I understand it. I get it. I I totally get it. And on the leadership, I mean, I'm. I'm I think I'm with Hubbard. They're they're losing some strong leaders. Flip side, I think they're probably losing some guys that they're not going to be sorry to head out the door. Yeah, I think I think that's probably always the case. By the way, you hope in the six three or seven two schedule, South Carolina's not on it on a regular basis because Williams Bryce Stadium's not been kind. You go back to ninety two, that Halloween loss cost the trip to the championship game. Uh, you look at what happened Saturday night. You look at what happened in 16 when, when Butch Jones took a team over there uh, with, with a chance to win the East. So, 
Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure anybody's interested in going over there and playing with anything on the line because Tennessee's not just not delivered over there when they've had three different opportunities to, to either go win the East and get the championship game or, or in this case to put themselves in college football playoff, Eric. Let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Brent, you can take this one. Is Jeremy Banks on track to play this week? Yeah, I mean, what is it? this runs – I mean, we're on Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, I mean, but again um, – you know that that's on Jeremy Banks, and and that's that's all. It's Joan Jeremy Banks to to take care of himself and do everything he's supposed to do up until the 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 bus heads to the stadium on Saturday. And if Jeremy Banks does what he needs to do, he's going to play on Saturday. The only one that can control that's Jeremy Banks. He he was on track to play last week, even though he had missed practice on Monday. Now I think he was going to have to miss a quarter, maybe even a half, but he he was on track to play then, and then had the, you know, other events, you know, spiral out of control and they were left with no choice. I mean, it is what it is. Let's go to Zeusify. Any new or surprise recruit names to watch for early signing day? No, man. Like, it, it, the names, I mean, like I have beat the, the, the bushes with people over on campus. Like it's, it's strange. I mean, like there's just, you know, it's, it's Elijah Davis, obviously David Hobbs, Khalifa Keith, um, you know, to come off the board last Sunday. Um, there's just not, there's just not a lot of names out there. Um, I think Tennessee's going to try to go heavy in the portal, and then maybe we'll see who is available for that second signing period in February. Um, you know, you know who kind of emerges then. But it just, it's not a whole lot. I and mean, some of those names, the Smith Snowdens, and you know, big offensive linemen out of California. At this point, I don't see any of those people visiting. And, uh, you know, Stanton Ramil seems to have went really, really quiet. And I, at this point, I would say he's staying with Michigan State as of, you know, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, and Ramil's done that before. Like, he'll go quiet. And, and Pemba's one that, again, I don't believe he's told Georgia officially he's in. They feel uber confident. But I've talked to people down in, down in, down in Athens and in the state of Georgia – they maintain that he's never said I'm officially in to the staff. Now, I think he may have told some recruits that he was planning on coming, but he's never told the staff that he was coming. And so, um, and he still talks to Tennessee a good amount. And so does the family, but I'm, I'm just kind of laying out where I'm at. I would still lean Georgia, but I don't think you can just slam the door. Let's go to Vols for life. Robbie, you take this one. Should we be concerned about Heibel's ability to win games on the road out of the 16 losses as a coach? Looks like the majority of his losses are on the road, nine if I'm adding correctly, and that's not including bowl losses. I would assume this is also, you know, back at UCF as well. I mean, it don't I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but don't most head coaches have more losses on the road than they do at home? I mean, yes. it's, hard, it's harder to win on the road, so I would I would say no. I mean, look at look at Nick. How many times has he lost to Bryant Denny over the years? Yeah. When he's lost, he's lost at LSU. He's lost at Auburn. He lost at South Carolina. He's lost at Mississippi State. He's lost at Ole Miss. He lost here this year. Um, you know that that that's he where lost he lost at A&M. Yeah, I mean, yeah, A&M last year, hundred percent. Like that, that's the way it works. Like you're supposed to win your games at home. And here's the thing, too. And this is a little bit of a tangent off to the side, but. I, I, I love when Hope gets on a tangent. I, I think one thing that that probably has been lost because Heupel said all, Coach Heupel said all the right things at the press conference about 
you know, dealing with the, being the ranked number one and, and all of those types of things, right? Uh, he, he's, he's spoken about, you know, you, you can't, you got to be transparent about it. You got to go with it. And I think that is the right way to go. There still is something about being on that stage for the first time and going from being, you know, the hunted or going from being the hunter to the hunted. I mean, Rob, when, when, when Bruce Pearl beat Memphis and got Tennessee to number one in the country in the AP poll, it lasted what, six days? Two days. Two days, and well, I guess the new poll didn't come out. But they right. lost forty-eight. I mean, they lost like seventy-two hours later at Vanderbilt, so they right. had it a week. Right, and so I, I think for players, and, and I think even for for Coach Heupel and those. I mean, sometimes you and you you don't want to say this because I'm not making any excuses for them. They laid an egg, but but that's that's virgin territory to be in, right? To go into somebody's stadium and they're at a fever pitch because you're in town, because you're there. As a team, I mean, that's not been the case. Alabama didn't give two rats rear ends that Tennessee was in town last year. Didn't matter to them. Sanford Stadium was a big deal because the number one ranked team was coming to town, right? That that was, and so there, there's you have to learn how to do that a little bit. I don't think Tennessee handled that very well, right? They played well at LSU on the road, didn't they? I mean, they, 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 they yeah. rallied for a win on the road at Pittsburgh. Once they got the number one ranking and, and became in the in the spotlight of everybody, they didn't play well at Georgia. They didn't handle that environment well. And then mentally they weren't locked in and ready to play the way they needed to be at South Carolina because, I, you know, you hear players talking about, well, you know, maybe they weren't locked in or you thought South Carolina was going to lay down. I mean, South Carolina was at a fever pitch because that team was in town. They had the opportunity. It was their Super Bowl. They had the opportunity to knock a team out of the playoffs. They were ready to go, and Tennessee wasn't. And it's a different mindset. You got to learn how to be the how to be the hunted and, and not just the hunter. Sometimes. I mean, Hubbard, I think you could even extend it to what we saw from, from Tennessee baseball last year. I mean, they you know I, they had a great year the year before, but that kind of came out of nowhere, you know. And then they spent all last year as you know top you know the king of the hill, and then when it was right there at the end of the year with everything in front of them, I mean, kind of you know same thing. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's move on now to Nashville Vol 615. This is a Brent Hubs question. Does Ooh, potential... Say what? Not 615 this week? No, it's 615. I got practice last week with like four of them. Does the potential of rain on Saturday actually help Tennessee playing its like, mobile quarterback? Does it help? Does it help what? Does it help with the potential of playing against a mobile quarterback? Playing, I mean, Tennessee just got, as Byron Young said, their eyes have to be better. 
you know, Tennessee, you talk about weather and, and all yeah, this yeah, other right, stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, look, if a, the guy who knows where he's going has generally got better footing than a guy who's reacting to where somebody's going. I mean, I don't think anybody wants rain. Uh, Tennessee's eyes have to be better. That they have to close, they have to play the alleys better. They have to play angles much better at the linebacker position and safety position than they did against South Carolina. Uh, they have to react to it better. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know that rain helps anybody um, in this game, and hopefully the rain's the rain's not there. But I, I don't think it gives anybody an advantage or a disadvantage. It helps Joe Milton, man. He's got those massive hands. Don't you remember last year that monsoon scrimmage and how he balled <laughs> out, and everybody was like, oh. Because yeah. he had an eighty, because he had an eighty-yard touchdown run in a nine-contact jersey. <laughs> Hard hat vol, and this is for UAP. He says, obviously, understand it depends on transfers out, graduation, early entrance to the NFL, but roughly transfer portal. Kind of, what's that number there? Would I, you assume? I don't know. I mean, like everybody wants a number. Like, I, it, it's not a. Well, like you that. said at least five before. Yeah, correct. I just think ultimately it boils down to how many people leave your program. I mean, if you have enough leave, you could take 10, you know, could be more than that. I mean, I just think, you know, how, how much do you want to play in those waters? Obviously, Tennessee feels like they're going to play in those waters in some form or fashion, but the fact that they're just not recruiting a whole lot of high school kids, um, you know, and, and part of that is the, the numbers, you know, they don't, you know, right now they're trying to look at it and project who or uh, may leave, but there's no guarantee somebody will leave. Um, you know, I just think right now you're looking at five minimum, and then, you know, we'll see who all departs and, and who all stays. You know, Rob, I mean, the interesting thing is they, they need probably two tight ends. Yep. An offensive tackle wouldn't hurt. Nope. A running back, okay. I mean, potentially probably corner, not, probably not going to have room there. A, a, a safety, a corner, an a edge guy who can the quarterback. I, I was going to say play in space, right, Rob? Edge, Edge, and DB would be at the top of my list. Tight end, you got to go get at least one tight end. Right. Okay. I think you got to have two. And where are you yeah. with a place kicker? How comfortable are you with a place kicker with Chase McGrath leaving? Do you, do you feel like you're you're good there and you're good to go, or do you feel like you got to go get help there? I mean, you can talk yourself as as Austin said, and that's my point. You can talk yourself into a dozen pretty quickly or ten, and, pretty and, quickly. and, and I just and don't know if they're going to have enough room for that. You know, well, and all those transfers they require nil deals. So, Most of them do. you know, yeah. I mean, the, the good ones do. And, and you know, where are you at with that? I mean, you, you know, you know, recruits coming in. You've got current roster. Then you add in. I mean, like it's. I'm be kind of fascinated to see kind of where Tennessee goes with some of this stuff. I bet room. I bet space will not be a problem. Would be my guess because I don't of disagree. Potential departures. This place though has had. I mean, I know they had a bunch when Jeremy left, but on the whole, like the last few years, it's not been as bad no, um, but as I, other places. I think you could. Uh, my my point being, I think you might see some guys that are encouraged to to look around. Several I don't disagree. Yeah, I, you know, but again, Austin makes a good point, Eric. <clears throat> when those, when you talk to a transfer in the portal, the first one of the early questions that guy is, "What do you got for me?" Big what time. do you got for me? What's your and, interest in and me? That, and that's that's. I mean, that may be. I, I think going off on a tangent, a little a hover tangent. I think it's even more so in basketball because that one guy can make such a big difference. You know, yeah. as opposed, yeah. you know, when he's one of seven or eight guys in your rotation, as opposed to one of forty-four and you're too deep. Yep. I mean, some of the numbers out there for basketball transfers are absurd. 
All right, let's go to Nash Fall 615. Hobbles the coach, it seems like he loves on his players. That's exactly what was needed coming from the Pruitt regime. However, sometimes there needs to be a coach in there to jerk some collars and give some tough love. Who on the staff can get in front of the entire room and light a fire if needed? Guys, I think, I mean, I mean, the head ball Gosh, coach. Yeah. You've got a misconception of the head coach if you don't think he can get in somebody's yeah. face on the practice field and, and just unload. Yeah. He may love you up after practice, but he will crawl right up in you on the field. Kind of on that note, you guys were just talking about in terms of early departures. Uh, Vol Topper chimes in and says, looking at the chat, he's ca- he's talking to me here. It seemed like you mentioned the possibility of Darnell Wright that could come back. What do you think the odds and chances of that are happening? Totally assuming if he's gone, if he chose to return, would that be huge uh, for our chances uh, to, to get our offense next year back up and running? Okay, Darnell Wright. Um, you know, I, I, Austin, you've kind of talked about it. Assume that he's leaving, but it's not a 100% situation. No, I don't believe it's 100%. I think that Darnell's very much uh, evaluating, looking at it. If he gets a first-round grade, I think he's gone. Um, at this point, get a first-round grade. Um, I think you're looking at second or third, and, um, you know, and we'll see. I, I think a lot of that depends on what how Darnell feels. Uh, I think Darnell really likes Glenn Ellerby a lot. He trusts Glenn Ellerby. I think Darnell, as a freshly turned 21-year-old just a couple months ago, um, you know, he could play all of next year and be a five-year starter here and only be 22, get drafted at 22, and would not turn 23 until he is in camp in August uh, with the, the NFL team um, that, that following year. So I, I don't think it's some lock, stock, and barrel that he's gone. Um, I think there's a possibility Bruno Wright could return. AP, if he gets a second or third round grade, I'll, I'll pay for me and you to play a round of golf at Oscars that he's gone. You'd be out. Oscar, Maybe so. On me, AP. Cart, cart included. Cart included. Big balls energy. Uh, how appealing will it be for defensive players in the portal? How is playing alongside an offensive tempo perceived by defensive transfers uh, and recruits? Is it a selling point or is it an obstacle? I don't think kids think that way. I don't either. I, I, don't, I don't think a kid's looking at his top five schools going, I don't know if I want to play defense there because the offense plays up tempo. I just, I mean, I think they're looking for who's my position coach, who can develop what's me, my deal? what's my opportunity to get on the field early, and what's my deal. I, I think that's where it starts. I, I, I mean, I bet if you go over there and talk to anybody, you talk to Joshua Joseph, it never entered his mind that Tennessee played an up-tempo offense. I don't, or I just, jo- or I Josh, don't, what's, what's the average snap that a defensive lineman is playing at Clemson versus what they're playing at, at, at Tennessee? Yeah. No, no clue. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't think those discussions are, are, are relevant in recruiting. So I don't think it works against them is the answer. Brandon underscore SV, do you think Tennessee's closing the talent gap with this year's recruiting class, or is the talent gap widening? Uh, no one, no one, uh, you know, being out recruited fifth best in the SEC class, uh, not in the top ten overall. On the other hand, uh, no top teams aren't improving; they're just reloading. What are your thoughts on the talent gap in the SEC with? Tennessee's recruiting class right now. Uh, like I don't, I don't want to say they're widening it. I don't want to say Tennessee's really closing it either. I think it's, um, I think the where they're closing it is at the quarterback position because I go, um, especially if he is who everybody thinks he is, you know, that's when you really, you know, take off. We've seen what a good quarter do. Um, 
for a, for a football program, not just here, elsewhere, uh, whether it be in the NFL, uh, college or high school. And, you know, if, if Nico is who everybody thinks he is, then that, that closes the gap some, and then they've just got to continue to recruit well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I thought uh, they did a nice job last year. I think they've done another nice job this year. It's just about getting those guys old enough and experienced enough to matter on the field. Yeah. Uh, he also wants to know about the wide receiver and DB rotations this weekend with injuries. We spoke on wide receiver. I mean, DBs, you're, I mean, Kamal Haddon and Danico Slaughter, they're probably going to play cornerback. I don't think Brandon Turner should be playing Brent's. Your safeties are going to play. I mean, that's, that's about it, right? You are who you are. It's week 12. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, you, you didn't pick up anybody off the waiver wire this week and you're beat up. Right. So, I mean, turnage is not going to be able to go. Um, in my opinion, I think slaughter will be able to go. So you can go slaughter and Haddon. Uh, you got, you got right. Who, who might have to play um, Christian Charles, but, but he's struggling right now. Big time for sure. I don't think they're comfortable with D Williams. I don't think they're comfortable with Jordan. You're not going to play Jordan Thomas at safety the last game of the season when you haven't played him all year long. You kind of are what you are, which is why I keep saying, and I've said always all this week, you got to get to the quarterback. You got to help your secondary out. You got, you got to get to the quarterback and make him uncomfortable and try to force him into some mistakes. You, You can't just let him sit back there and pick you apart because you are what you are in the secondary the last week of the regular season. Roberts, 33TN, has anyone asked Josh Heupel about the field conditions at South Carolina? That's been uh, – uh, seen that on social media a lot this week, Brent. Well, I was on the field pregame, okay? It was not a great track. Um, there were some spots that were that were bare spots that were painted, had a little sand in them. It's not uncommon. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it was dangerous to play in. I don't think the league should have stepped in and say, hey, we're not playing the game here. We'll reschedule it somewhere else. I don't, it wasn't anything like that. Was it a great track? No, their ryegrass either wasn't planted or didn't come in. It was a thin field. It was a shortcut field. But but it was not a situation where anybody you know, slipped or felt like it was dangerous or anything like that. It's really unfortunate what happened to Hendon Hooker. Um, but I don't think you Both can say that. Both teams had to happened. play on it, though. Yeah, I don't think you can say that happened because of the field. You know, I mean, Cedric Tillman took a nasty fall and and on a nasty tackle. Had nothing to do with the field. He's very fortunate he didn't get hurt with his knee. Um, But, I mean, it wasn't a great field. It wasn't one of the better fields in the SEC, you know, in terms of conditions. But it was. I would not deem it dangerous. I don't think they backed up a dump truck full of sand to make it slower on Tennessee or any of that kind of stuff. It just – it wasn't a great field. It had a lot of paint on it, and it had some sand on it. I've seen that before at other places, though. I've seen worse fields at Kentucky, let's put it that way, before they put in the turf. <laughs> Uncle Austin wants to know, what player did UT miss on um, in the transfer portal that would have made a difference this season? He mentions Jared Burst being his choice. That's an obvious one. Unfortunately, Isaiah Nair, um, his season was cut short way early on. Anybody else that comes to mind that Tennessee missed on uh, that, that would have made a difference on this year's team? Not for me. I mean, yeah. uh, Jared Verse is the most obvious one because he's made an impact at a position where Tennessee's looking for more impact, and that's a, a rush guy off the edge. Um, Isaiah Nair would have been, I guess, a nice compliment, but I mean, they're the number one scoring offense in the country. So not having Isaiah Nair was not a 
was not a big deal. Jared Verse, because of his production off the edge in Tennessee, can't get to the quarterback with, with a four-man rush very often. That would be my biggest miss for Tennessee in the transfer portal. That they had a legitimate shot at. All right, just going to get a couple more here. Um, let's see here. Have you ever seen a player get completely dominated for an entire game and still want to run their mouth as much as Kamal had? I knew there was going to be a Kamal Haddon question in here. This is for anybody. Rob, you want to you take this one? I'll just say no. I mean, there, there maybe has been, but recency lead me to say no. Okay. And let's finish the, this thing off with, we spoke on this a little bit earlier, but Uptown Ball wants to know more about the players that could move on to the draft, but maybe returns next season. So we spoke on Darnell Wright a little bit. Who were some of those other ones that aren't, you know, have the opportunity and maybe we assume they're going, but they very well could be back here next season. I mean, Jalen Hyatt's the number one, the number one guy you're going to talk to. And, and for me, you know, we're, we're, what kind of draft grade does he have? What do NFL teams think about him? Do they see him as a system guy, wonder, or do they see this guy as like, okay, things finally clicked, and this is what we can expect for years to come? I, none of us can answer that question because we're not, you know, an NFL scout. Um, but I think that that's something that, you know, he'll get the feedback on. Um, but I would lean to him being gone. Um, but I think there's always the possibility that, you know, if he doesn't get the right draft grade, he could return. And also, lean, where does he – go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, I lean hard toward not, – not even talking about names. I lean hard towards any kid who has the opportunity to go. I mean, like a legit opportunity. Like, yeah, you're a, you're a, you're no later than a fourth-round pick. Gone, in, in my estimation. I mean, too much injury risk. You know, start, start getting paid. Get to the second contract quicker, which is where you really get paid. I mean, people are going to talk about NIL – I, I think unless you're a real fringe prospect who is, you know, fifth, sixth round, maybe free agent, I, I, I think NIL is not going to have a big impact on, on kids decide to come or, come or go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the question with, with somebody who's a projected fourth round pick that they're going to ask themselves is, if I stay, how much can I really improve my stock? What, what's the depth look like at my position in the draft? If I stay, how much could I improve my stock for, for next year to, to get, you know, could I get it into the upper second round pick or a fringe first round pick? How much? And I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think when you talk about a fourth round pick, um, late third round pick, I think those discussions are, are at least on the table to discuss. Not NIL money versus, I mean, what you have to understand about NIL, it's not the salary. So you, I'm getting a um, – I've got a third-round grade or a fourth-round grade. That means you, you owe me $600,000 if I stay. That's not how it works because it's not, it's not apples to apples that way. But I think if you're in that fourth-round category, you got to look and say, how much can I really improve my stock uh, versus not? And, and there's a lot of factors that go into the ability to, to improve your stock um, and go from there. But, Rob, you're right. Second contract's a big deal. Um, again, it depends on your position too, right? I mean, if you're a running back, yeah, you got to go because we know where values are on running backs. But at other positions, I think you you at least enter the enter, enter the thought process of potentially returning if you think you can really elevate yourself in a year with the NFL draft. All right, that's all the time we have for here today. Appreciate you guys for getting in all your questions. If we didn't get to yours, do apologize, but we worked through about you know 30 or so questions here. Um, 
And uh, we'll be back next week for two more editions, of course, Fall Quest Podcast on Tuesday, Mailbag on Thursday, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. That's coming up on Saturday, 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, we'll be there, of course, catch up with us on the Journal's Quarters. We'll have complete coverage throughout today, even though it's a holiday. Tomorrow, we'll have the picks in, 10 things I think, I think, lounge, all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it's a holiday, but we're uh, still going to have content for you up at fallquest.com. $10 until kickoff 2023. Go ahead and take advantage of that deal. Like this video on YouTube, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, support thevolquest.com on the Volquest YouTube page. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.